the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KSLR is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Mark Longoria. Well, happy weekend to you. My name is Mark Longoria, Director of Ministry Development here at AM630 KSLR. Thank you for tuning in and listening to The Word in South Texas. This program is called Church of the Week. And uh, we uh, do it because we want you to be involved with local ministry here in San Antonio. We so appreciate you guys listening to uh, to the word here on this radio station. But we want you to be actively involved in uh, in what's going on around you and in our community, uh, just to see what God is doing around the city. And so here in studio with us, we have G.D. Coppage. Uh, you have probably heard him day after day as he does his devotionals here on uh, KSLR. He's with Revival Ministry. G.D., welcome to the studio. Good to have you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, and what we want to do today, G.D., is just kind of you and I have a conversation. Folks are going to get to know you by just me just asking some questions. And uh, tell us uh, about your background. Where are you from? Are you San Antonian? Or how soon did you get here? Well, I, I feel like I'm a San Antonian. I've been here since 1975. I was born and raised in Dallas. Uh, so I'm Texan through and through. Yeah. Uh, Families from northeast Texas, mainly, yeah. uh, prior to that, my ancestry. So uh, we came to San Antonio in 1975 and fell in love. All right. Been here well, since. What brought you guys to San Antonio, your family? Uh, a business situation in, in 1975, and I was recruited to come down here before I went into the ministry. Nice. Very good. You a family man? Yes, yeah. I've got two grown sons and uh, nine grandchildren. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, are they all around here? Uh, in Austin and in Dallas, or Very the good. Dallas area. Very good. Yeah. So um, you're heading this, uh, this uh, ministry called Revival Ministry. Tell us about how that got started. Uh, that uh, got started by God shoving and pushing. Yeah. I remember you told me a story a few months ago. Uh, uh, I did. Tell uh, us about that, just so I, the uh, folks know about it. I do my morning devotionals early, and I uh, was sitting uh, in my living room, uh, finishing my devotionals, and as I laid the devotional books and my Bible on the lamp table, uh, God very clearly said, I want you to go to seminary, and I thought, no, I didn't hear it. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that didn't, that, where did that come from? Right. It just was, was strange for me. I've, I've been involved in local churches and been supportive but I've always been kind of a backroom guy. And uh, a few days later, as I'm laying my devotionals and my Bible back down on that table, again, God speaks to me and he says, I want you to preach. And at that point, I had a conversation with God, a verbal conversation. Yeah. And I'm telling God, I'm too old to go to seminary. Those, that's for the kids. Yeah. Uh, and I've never had a desire to preach. I, I don't have a need to get behind a pulpit. In fact, I would run the other direction. Yeah. That's the reason I've always been a support guy. 
always a helper, never the guy out front. Mm -hmm. Days went by, and again, I'm laying the devotionals and the Bible on the table, and God tells me again, I want you to preach. This goes on for a couple of weeks. And uh, I was in Bible Study Fellowship. If you're familiar with Bible Study Fellowship, I was in my 13th year. I, I, I tell people I'm a slow learner. It was, at that time, an eight-year program, and I'm, I'm doing 13 years. <laughs> but the study is wonderful, and uh, God blessed me in a lot of ways with uh, fellowship uh, mm. with those young men that I was with. As uh, that morning, I... Uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and I told him uh, about these conversations with God and God's leading, and he listened very, very carefully, and at the end he said, G.D., what part of this don't you understand? And I said, well, I understand it very well. Mm -hmm. And he says, we need to pray on this, and I agreed. Well, that uh, next morning I had breakfast with another friend, told him the same story, and word for word, he said, G.D., what part of this don't you understand? Mm. And I said, Pat, I, I understand it well. well. Well, that night I asked a group of men to pray for me. I woke up the next morning with my head on the pillow, looking at the ceiling, and I said, I have to find a seminary. Mm. And within three weeks, I was in a seminary class. Can you take us through that little bit of the internal struggle? Because I imagine you must have been in a sense, wrestling uh, and wondering if this was really God and what are you going to do and how do you even start? And I'm asking you to share a little bit about maybe that part of your experience because there may be someone listening now that is feeling that. They're feeling a tug of the Holy Spirit that's telling them, I want you to move into this place that's going to require faith, it's going to require trust in your end. Um, and they may be struggling like you perhaps did uh, at that time. I don't think there was a time that I did not know it was God. That that was the surety. Mm. Uh, the part that probably bothered me the most was my own insecurities, you know. And I, and I can even look today, and I think we all can. We can look at a situation and say, am I worthy? Mm. Am I good enough? There's always someone else that could do the job better than me. Why do you want me to do it, God? Mm. And yet I've come to know that it's it's not the person that's the most educated. It's not the person that's the tallest. It's not the person that has the best voice. I mean, look at Moses. You know, right. he stuttered and stammered, and God said, don't worry about it. We're going to take care of that part. Right. We just need to release ourselves and do what God is telling us to do. Mm -hmm. I did uh, eventually. It took several weeks. But when you look at lifespan, weeks were almost nothing. You yeah. know, at that point. So I went into a situation from going into seminary, and, and before the first class was was complete, I was writing sermons, and that was not part of the class, and I, yet I'm writing sermons. Mm. And again, that was, that was just God leading me, and I, I didn't know why I was doing it, but I was doing it, and it was a faithful opportunity for me to do that. Two months later, I had a church ask me, to come in and be their interim pastor. Uh, and I worked with that church for, I think, a, a total of 17 weeks uh, that I preached out there that year. Mm. Yeah. Now, when 
when God calls you to to ministry, He calls you to to, to preach, right? To to preach His word, right? Do you begin to think in your mind how that's going to all happen? And no, you just kind of like all right, I, no. I, I I was concentrating on my studies more than anything else uh, mm. to to get through the seminary classes, and yet these other things were developing at the same time, and that was God's hand. That was not me. I didn't reach out to that church. I didn't ask to go there. Didn't know anyone there at all. Mm-hmm. And and yet a friend told them about me and said you need to get a hold of this guy. Yeah. You know, I ask because I think sometimes when when we hear that calling, generally speaking, when someone hears the calling from God to minister His word, uh, I would think that your mind would directly go to, okay, I'm going to I'm going to have to open up a church, I'm going to pastor a church, and pastor a congregation. Uh, God never told me to be a pastor, mm-hmm. and uh, what He told me to do was to preach, and so I took those words at what they were at face value. Uh, and found myself instantly into that situation. And then we have the inspired Word of God that sometimes comes from other people. Yeah. And those are the blessings in our life if we really look at them. Yeah. Uh, I received an email, and you know how our inbox gets crowded every day with dozens or hundreds of emails from everybody in the world, right. and they pass along everything. Well, it was a cute little story about a little girl. Um, and I thought, you know, this is a nice story, but it, it's not complete. And I added a paragraph to it, and it was about what does God look like. Mm. And as I did that, I, I sent it to only six people, uh, very close friends of mine, and one of them sent it back and said, you need to put a title on this, and you need to put a Bible verse on this. You've written a devotional. Well, I, I had no idea. And I reread it, and I thought, well, yeah, it does. It kind of reads like a <laughs> devotional. And uh, almost just out of a, uh, a friendship, uh, I, I sent back an email with a title and, and with a Bible verse on it. And he didn't, he didn't answer it. He picks up the phone and calls me. And he says, uh, GD, you need to do this every day. And again, I felt it was a leading from God. And yet I felt very insecure mm-hmm. and said, I've never done this before. I can't do this every day. And he says, sure you can. And I said, no, I can't. And and he's a deacon in, in one of the larger churches here. And he said, well, do it once a week. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. So that was the first one. It went out to six people. The next week, another one was written, and it went out to six people. It was a Wednesday, so we called them Wednesday Minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was a very short read, probably under two minutes long, start to finish. Well, that was May of 2013. And in two and a half years, we've gone from six individuals to those devotionals being read and prayed in over seven countries Mm -hmm. all over the world. Praise God. Praise God. Wow. And... uh, People say, you really did good. And I go, I didn't do anything. God did. Amen. And uh, the old adage, get out of the way and let God take That's charge. Right. That's and, right. And he's going to do what he's going to do. We need to be good followers. Yeah. And I found myself doing what I've always done my whole life. I've been the follower. Mm-hmm. But instead of following a pastor in a congregation, 
I'm really following God's lead and going back, and now I can help those pastors and those smaller churches that cannot afford to go out and hire an outreach minister. Mm -hmm. And so we can do that for him, and we can take that congregation, and we call it growing a church, but it's not about numbers. It's not about numbers at all. It's a way we can measure it simply by looking at the number of faces that are in that congregation. But what we're doing is we're trying to reach into that particular church's neighborhood, not across town, but in their immediate neighborhood, and bring those people who are lost and fallen into that church body. These people may have just moved into the neighborhood and and never went back to church again from, from their move. Maybe they haven't been in a church since they were children, but they know there's a place for them. And what we do is we invite those people in through revival ministry into that church, and we do it regardless of denomination. We don't preach denomination. We don't preach doctrine. We preach one thing. Jesus Christ is our risen Lord. We bring them into the church. And just as I told a pastor Sunday afternoon after service, we can bring those people into your church, but it's up to you and your congregation to keep them. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the whole premise of revival ministry. Uh, we, we got a little brochure, and it says, Bringing the lost and fallen to Jesus Christ while growing your church membership without any cost from your church budget. And I get a lot of eyebrows raised. Yeah. You just raised your sure eyebrows. Did. Yeah, that, that would cause uh, someone's eyebrows you to know, go up. Like, how? With, without any yeah. money from your church budget. Yeah. And, of course, we have to do it through donations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every, take us through that process. You, 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 maybe you're talking to this pastor. He's interested in hearing more about your ministry. How strategically do you, do you go through this process to make this happen? Uh, I know that you, talk, you talked about inviting people how does that happen? How do you invite people from the community to well, that? It could happen a number of ways. Um, we're in a media society, so social media can be a part of that. Direct mail, uh, and we use direct mail, but we use a, a particular mailing list that has their name on it. It doesn't go to an occupant mm-hmm. or the resident of. It goes to that individual that lives in that house, and generally with, a, with an open postcard situation about a particular event at that church yeah so how do you go about if i'm the pastor i'm saying okay gd i'm interested in having you come in and help us reach our community how how are we able to do this without me taking zero money out of our budget we have a a campaign uh that we've kind of trademarked around the city i'm sure other pastors have used it from time to time but we call it the andy jackson campaign and uh, everyone knows who Andy Jackson is, and if you're forgetting, look on a $20 bill and you'll see a picture of Andrew Jackson. And uh, we have a little fun with it, and we don't call him President Andrew Jackson of the $20 bill. We just call him Andy Jackson. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll go through the church and we'll set up several meetings with the church so that the membership is, is understanding of what we're doing and how we're doing it. So... The church will continue their giving, they'll continue their tithing that they would normally do, except everything in their offering box or offering plate, the way they collect, that is a $20 bill, it will go to pay for for these ministry programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the same time, 
there will be individuals that will simply write a check. And we have found this to be true. They will literally step up and they won't write a check for $20. Yeah. They'll write a check for hundreds or even thousands of dollars yeah. to, to pay for these things. You know, this, this particular program that we're, we're doing here is called Church of the Week. We do this every week so that people in our community know that there's plenty of great churches in and around our community that we believe that uh, we should all be connected to the local church somewhere. Obviously, you believe that as well because you go into the local church and you say, hey, let me help you. Uh, to to grab some people from your own community and invite them here into this ministry. So with that, I want to ask you, why is it important that we connect to the local church? Why is it important that we reach out to our community and invite them in to be a part of the local church? I, I think we can look at the, the big picture first uh, to get to that small picture, and that is at one time the United States was a Christian nation. By numbers, we are no longer a Christian nation. And so many of those who profess to be Christians haven't cracked the Bible in months or years. They don't know what the Bible really says. And with that, if we can go into a neighborhood and we can reach that person that's not going to church, that doesn't read their Bible, and get them into a local church, and that pastor and that congregation can love them and tell them, how much, how much they are loved, how much God loves them. And no matter what they've done, God can forgive them. They have a home. They, in turn, will start reading their Bible. They'll start learning, and they'll talk to someone else. And it's no different than anything else. What do you talk about when you have lunch with someone? What do you talk about when you have a couple over for dinner? Well, if those people coming into that church have a couple over for dinner and they say, oh, we just started this church over here. We, we, we haven't been going to church in years, and these people are wonderful. Well, guess what? There's two more people and, and their kids that are now maybe coming into that church, and if not that church, maybe they go home. Maybe they live the other side of town. They go, you know, we need to do that too. Mm-hmm. We need to do that. And they go into a church across town. God's message is very clear. We're to go out to all nations. Well, let's start at home. Right. You know, maybe you don't have the ability to go to Africa or India to go on those mission trips, but guess what? You've got a next door neighbor. Right. That's and that's right. where it starts. It's that easy. As difficult as it is, it's that easy. That's right. You've been listening to uh, G.D. Coppage. He's uh, with Revival Ministry here in San Antonio. If you'd like to uh, get more information about Revival Ministry, you can call him at 830-438-8343. I'll repeat that number for you so I can give you a chance to uh, jot it down. Revival Ministry, 830-438-8343. You can also go online at revivalministry.net. And if you'd like to write a letter, you can do that at 2727 West Ammon. Ammon. That's A-double-M-A-double-N. Is that right? That's correct. Ammon Road here in uh, Bulverde, Texas, 78163. That's 2727 West Ammon Road, Bulverde, Texas, 78163. GD, we have uh, plenty of folks that drive by the church day after day that don't have, don't feel they have a reason to go in. They've been living in that community for years, and for whatever reason, they really haven't felt 
impressed for, uh, to walk into that church, and maybe they've never even received an, an invitation to walk into that church. And that's probably the biggest thing, is, is your last comment. Mm. No one's invited them. Well. Uh, along with our, our media that we'll do, uh, it's not just a matter of a postcard, because those individuals in that church, those members, will also be encouraged to invite people in for that special event. It all hinges around a particular date, a particular weekend that something is going to happen. So that that person that's being invited, it's not just being invited, oh, come to church someday. It's come to the church for this particular reason. Yeah. And um, when we first envisioned this, uh, it was the idea of doing revivals themselves. And revivals do work. And those people especially the younger people that may be listening, have never been to a revival, but they've seen the old movies and the tents and the sweaty pastors that are preaching, you know, for four or five hours. That's not a revival, first of all. A revival does two things. It revives the local church and that membership, and it revives the community around that church, and they all just, it all melts together. It all comes together. So an event may not be a postcard. It may be actually going out and knocking doors, going from house to house with pre-printed tickets for a barbecue lunch, Mm. free lunch. And they actually knock on the door and say, here are two tickets for you, your family, and another family. Come up to the church uh, next Sunday or two Sundays down, whatever the date is, and we're going to have a free barbecue lunch on the lawn. Well, that may not be an event that would go well in December or January, right. yeah. but there are times for that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, a barbecue dinner uh, works. At the same time, a country dance also works, a barn dance mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in that church's facility, if they have that available, or an outdoor we could do in the summer, late spring, summer, we can actually do a dance outside on the parking lot. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the biggest church in town to do these things with. That's the, that's the best part. And everything that we would do would be curtailed to the benefit of that church, what is best for this church in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, take yeah. it. Let's, let's say today is Revival Day. We are, we've already done our work. We've walked through the uh, blocks around here, around our town, or around our, our, our uh, church, rather, and we are expecting folks to come out here in just a few hours. What are, can you take us through what's going to happen tonight as, or today as people start coming in? What does that look like? Uh, I, I think— We're going to have the free barbecue, per se. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe not, but— I, I, I think it's seen differently. Uh, I think most of the individuals from experience, the members of that church, their eyes pop open when they see strange faces coming in because they heard the story and they thought, well, yeah, someone might show up. But when they see throngs of people showing up, Mm -hmm. uh, it's amazing. Maybe two to three times their normal church attendance. Mm-hmm. It works that well. Yeah. But it, it takes dedicated effort in doing all these things, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, to get those cards out to the right people. And we, we literally sit down with uh, either the pastor or a church guidance team of where they want to target. 
and we do it by actual postal carrier, not zip codes. We we take it down to a real fine tune of where those postcards are going to be delivered to, to bring those people into that church. So as these folks are coming in, uh, perhaps there's a, a potluck or some type of barbecue. Is there? Are there? Are we going to go through a time of worship? Are we going to have a teaching? What's that? Depends day look like? on the event. Um, we might do a um, an event uh, like the barbecue, and would do it generally right after the service. So we'd invite them to come to service and then stay for the barbecue. Gotcha. Uh, but if we're doing um, like one of the barn dances. And again, you don't need a barn to do that. Right. Uh, it, it's just a name. We'll take that, and we'll do that maybe on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and we'll invite those people to come back to church on Sunday. Okay. Uh, the hardest thing is walking in the door the first time for a new yeah. person. Yeah. After they're there once, it's easier for them to come back the second time. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, of like I said, you of loving these people that have been sitting home on a Sunday morning and they've listened to the radio or they're watching television or they're reading the paper or they're sleeping late, but they have God who is being excluded from their lives and we want to include God in their lives. Amen. Well, GD, I appreciate you coming by and spending a few minutes here with us and telling us all about Revival Ministry, and uh, we we pray and wish you the best. Well, thank you. Give me a couple of hours and I'll tell you more. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well, for those that have joined us today, thank you so much for tuning in to uh, the radio station and to this uh, program called Church of the Week. My name is Mark Longoria. I'm the director uh, of ministry here at uh, the radio station. And uh, for more information on Revival Ministry and to speak to GD, Coppage, you can do that by uh, writing 2727 West Ammon Road in Bulverde, Texas, 78163. You can use your phone. Call 830-438-8343 or online at revivalministry.net. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you for joining us today as we featured the AM630 KSLR Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at kslr.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.